We're beginning a new Advent series this morning titled, As We Wait. Now, maybe you have felt beyond repair. Maybe you have felt scattered, fragmented, and broken. Maybe you lack peace and you wonder where God is in all that you're facing. You're facing some some difficulty. It feels dark. And you wonder, where are you, God? Well, with poetic imagery, Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 11, it describes a small twig growing out of a stump, a world without hostility, and then this banner held high for anyone and everyone. So what do these three images have in common? Why have have they been celebrated for centuries? And how are they meant to bring us immeasurable peace, no matter what comes our way? Let's read Isaiah 11, beginning in verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot or a twig from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we look to you with eyes of faith this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to engage it with everything in us. Help us to believe that, Lord, this is for us. Lord, you have something beautiful here for us to take and run with. Help us to receive it as a gift from you, an expression of your love and care for us. Lead us on, we pray, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, three things, church, will help us walk through Isaiah 11. One, this imagery of a small twig growing out of a stump. Two, imagery of a world without hostility. And three, a banner held high. So just pulling imagery from the text itself. So first, a small twig growing out of a stump. So the prophet Isaiah lived in Jerusalem and spoke on God's behalf to Israel's political and spiritual leaders 
700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah had an enormous influence on the New Testament writers. He is quoted or alluded to more than any other book in the Old Testament with the exception of the Psalms. In fact, chapters 1 through 39 in particular were written during a time when Israel was living in in deep darkness and under the constant threat of the nation of Assyria. Assyria was the world power of the day, threatened to overthrow and, and actually would be used by God to bring judgment on the nation. But there's this beautiful thread that runs throughout the book of Isaiah There's this promise of deliverance that God himself would act on the nation's behalf. A couple years ago, I was watching a documentary about an archaeologist and her team digging away in Alexandria, Egypt. And the deeper they went, the further back in time they would go. It's fascinating. And they pulled out this fragment to a vase, and, and from it, they could tell its whole story. In this series, this Advent series, we will look at fragments of the book of Isaiah that together, as we hold them up, tell a bigger story, a story of a promised king, a promised Messiah. If you've heard that term, it means anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Jesus, is speaking of this anointed one who will come, this rescuer, this redeemer, and God will do it. God will do it for Israel, but he'll do it for more than Israel. He'll do it for the nations. Now, you don't have to look there, but in Isaiah 6, there's this vision that Isaiah is given of God's majesty and splendor. God is seated on a throne, and the hem or the train of his robe just filled the entire temple. Now, what's this about? This highlights the Lord's authority and power. But the vision also highlights God's character, where these angelic beings are crying out, holy, 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 as if to put an exclamation point, to underline it twice, to highlight it, to circle it, to put an emphasis on this attribute of God. He is holy, holy, holy. So not only is this vision highlighting God's authority and power, it's highlighting God's character. You see, this is all given in a time when Israel had been pulling away from God. They had redefined God. Oh, it's happening today again. People are redefining God. And so Isaiah is given this profound vision of the Holy One of all. And he is humbled. He's shaken to the core of his being. He's filled with fear. He says, what am I supposed to do? I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people who are, who are broken and dark and, 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 and in rebellion. And God still in that vision sets him apart for his purposes God's promises are always rooted in God's character. The further we move away from his character, the, the more we redefine God, maybe in our own image and, or according to what culture tells us we should do. So we, we move further away from faith in the true God of the Bible. 
Because faith or trust in the God of the Bible involves looking back at what is true about him in order to look forward with hope. And so it was in the midst of corruption and darkness, rebellion, and this hard-heartedness that Isaiah is commissioned by God with a message of judgment and hope for the nation of Israel, a message of warning and comfort, essentially saying this in Isaiah 6.13, Israel will be cut down like a tree and all that will remain is a stump. And this stump will be like a holy seed. That's the imagery we're given. Now just get used to imagery here as we walk through the prophet Isaiah. These prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, man, these, are, these are like the poets of old. These guys come up with some amazing uh, word pictures and imagery and, and, and poems. I mean, it's just profound stuff. And it's meant to stick with us. And so this imagery that we're given is that of a... Um, a tree that's been cut down and all that remains of Israel will be a stump. But there's a holy seed, there's a a whisper, a promise, a faint whisper of hope in the midst of the darkness and of the judgment that God will bring on on this nation. In chapter seven, there's the promise of a child born of a virgin whose name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in Isaiah nine, there's the promise of light in deep darkness, one who will bring liberation and deliverance. And so hope is building. And there's the mention of a child again in Isaiah 9. Turn with me to Isaiah 9. We'll look at verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. What will accomplish this? The zeal of Yahweh, of the Lord of hosts will do this. He speaks of this coming prince of peace. The word is shalom. It means so much more than just the absence of strife. It speaks of blessing and restoration, wholeness. It can refer to a person's well-being. Now, look with me in Isaiah 11. Isaiah returns to the imagery of a stump. First, in chapter 6, the stump was the nation of Israel. Now, here in chapter 11, the stump is Jesse. Who's Jesse? The father of David, who would become king over Israel and who would receive the promise from God that he would always have an heir on the throne. How would this happen? Well, just when you thought there was no hope of any life remaining in the stump, a shoot emerges. Just when you thought things were broken, scattered, fragmented, beyond repair, a little bud, a little leaf, a little twig rises from the ashes, rises from what remains. It's beautiful imagery. Have you ever seen a plant growing in a hard place? You're just like, how? Come on now. There's a rock on the other side of my block, and I, I, every time I walk around my block, I see this little this plant growing out of like this rock. I, I don't know how. It's, I don't know why it hasn't attracted a lot of people. I don't know why T-shirts aren't, aren't made with this rock on it. Maybe I should start it. I don't know. But 
you see these plants growing out of things, out of concrete, you're just like, you go. Wow. All right, then you pick it. <laughs> no, it's joking. <laughs> just pushing through the concrete. That's the, that's the imagery we have here. This plant, this shoot that rises out of this stump, you're like, whoa, there it is. There's life here where I thought that there wasn't. And then we're told that this shoot, this twig will bear fruit. In verse 1 of chapter 11, Isaiah goes on to describe this shoot with imagery that helps us make the connection to the promised king or prince of peace who he had already mentioned. This one who will come, this this promised king of peace, this prince of peace will emerge like a twig, like a shoot, will grow out of what remains after God's judgment on Israel. In verse 2 of chapter 11, he will be the truly anointed one, anointed by the Spirit of God to rule with wisdom and understanding. And so then all of a sudden we realize he's not talking about a little twig. He's talking about a person, someone who will come. He's using this imagery to help us see how he will come. He will rule with wisdom and understanding. He says, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Loyalty and worship, obedience, concern, awe for the Lord. He'll be marked by those things. Verses 3 through 5 describes the nature of this this coming ruler and how he, he will judge. It will be with righteousness and equity, fairness and justice. The poor and the meek of the earth will have one who stands with them. When we see this in the movies, uh, we get goosebumps, right? We're like, yeah, there he is. There's the one who's standing up for the poor. There's the one who's coming in and he's going to make all these wrong things right. There's something in us. We, we love it. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, we're told, and with the breath of his lips. Poetic imagery highlighting the power and authority of his words. Verse 5, he's clothed with righteousness and faithfulness, truthfulness. This highlights his rule. We're not just talking about a twig, are we? Can you remember watching a movie or reading a novel that's just filled with darkness Filled with brokenness and despair right up until the very end. And then it happened. You were given this faint whisper of hope in the midst of the chaos and darkness. Hope found a way, somehow, of pushing through. And it not only caused your heart to race in that moment, it left you anticipating, okay, what's going to happen next? And you got to wait for the next season or for the next movie. And that's how they do it. What's going to happen next? Well, let's, let's go there. Verses 6 through 9 is what happens next. And the next imagery that we're given is that of a world without hostility. First, we're given the imagery of a twig rising out of a stump. We're like, what? And now we're given the imagery of a world without hostility. It's a powerful scene. It's shocking imagery that we're given. It's, it's, it's a bit strange. It feels like a dream. Animals of prey laying down next to those who would normally eat them. Little children playing among wild animals. Verse 8, there's a nursing child putting his hand into the den of deadly snakes. Parents, just imagine. Even for those with a third child, imagine (laughs) letting your... (laughs) Everything in a parent, when you look at this scene, you're just like, what's going on here? What is going on here? What's happening? 
Let me tell you what's going on here. Old fears, old hostilities, gone. Enmity, gone. No more fear, no more hurt, no more destruction, no danger exists anywhere. No exploitation, no injustice, total transformation has taken place. We are back to Eden. That's the imagery the prophet, the poet, Isaiah, is given, giving us. This is paradise restored, and, and this is the fruit of the shoot. This is the fruit of the shoot, the fruit of his reign, the fruit of his rule, restoration, renewal, I mean, think about it. The biblical view of things is restoration and renewal, the putting back of things the way they were originally designed to be. That's where we're headed. Romans 8 describes all of creation groaning, eagerly waiting for the day of redemption, that day of renewal, where all things will be made right. Birds are singing in minor keys. They're longing and waiting. I want to show you some beautiful imagery that we receive in the book of Revelation that the Apostle John gives us in Revelation 21, verse 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Again, Revelation is a genre all in itself, just this, this bright, these bright colors, this imagery coming at us, communicating something profound about what will be. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. What will I do? I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. This imagery is powerful. Go back with me to Isaiah 11, imagery. We're talking about the restoration of all things. Isaiah 11 is painting a picture for us with his words. Look what he does in verse 9. All of this is taking place, this dreamlike Eden is taking place on God's holy mountain. This is the place of God's presence. It represents the place of God's presence. And here in Isaiah 11, the holy mountain covers the whole earth. It's a transformed and renewed creation. That's what we have here. And at the heart of it all, is a restored relationship with God expressed this way. The earth will be full of, or imagine this spilling over with great abundance, the knowledge of the Lord. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so this is about 
knowing God. This is about intimate knowledge, experiential knowledge. This is about relationship. Again, powerful imagery meant to stick. This is about the restoration of all things that begins with reconciliation with the living God. So a new world, a new creation without hostility, without anxiety, without conflict. Where does it begin? It begins right here with the knowledge of God that leads to reconciliation with him, that leads to restoration, that leads to those who become new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what this is about. This knowledge that fills the earth as the waters cover the sea is not just a head knowledge that recites facts and defines words. It's about a relationship that makes us new. That leads us to our final point in the imagery that Isaiah gives us in this chapter, and that is that of a banner held high, a signal, a sign. Look with me in verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. The root of Jesse will stand as a signal. Isaiah tells us the root of Jesse will be like a banner, a sign, a rallying cry for all peoples. What do banners, what do signs do? They inform, they direct, they make clear, they explain, they also invite. They invite. And so this is much bigger than the nation of Israel. There are no boundaries at all in the list of nations that are given. All right, you ready? Go with me to Luke chapter 2. Years after this announcement, 700 years after the announcement that Isaiah gives in chapter 11, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the hometown of Jesse, King David's father. And as shepherds watched their sheep at night, an angel appeared to them announcing the promised anointed one. And what did, what did these angels say? Verse 10 of chapter 2 in Luke. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, gospel of great joy that will be for all people, all nations. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the anointed of the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. And this will be a sign This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This will be a sign. Sky cracked open then with a choir of angels after that announcement, and they shouted. They sang glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. That's what they said. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. This announcement of peace is the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word shalom. The promised prince of peace is here. That's what they were singing. The one who will right wrongs and restore what is broken. The one who will take what is fragmented and scattered, who will make all things new, is here. And he's in a manger. He's just like a shoot growing out of a stump. Stump of Jesse. Born into a poor family. It's 
happening in a way you'd never expect. Isaiah 11 says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, this this shoot, this twig, this prince of peace. Jesus would experience the spirit anointing at the beginning of his public ministry. As he was coming up out of the waters of baptism, the spirit came to rest on him. He began then to preach. What did he preach? What was Jesus' message? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The good news of what? He hadn't died on the cross and risen again yet. Not yet. But what's the good news? The good news is that God reigns. His kingdom has come, and I'm the king of that kingdom. The king that you've been waiting for. And I have a good and gracious and righteous rule. So come, repent, and believe this good news. Live under my reign. Live under my rule. It's what you were made for. So he's proclaiming God's power and rule to do what? To bring forgiveness of sins, to establish righteousness, to set things right, to bring the peace we all long for. And so his kingdom, Jesus' rule, is both a present reality where God is exercising his authority right now, but it's also a future hope. God will reign in the end, and check it out, he will bring every opposition under his reign. He'll put it down. And so here's, here's where we live. We live in between what is and what will be. We live in the already, not yet. We live between two arrivals, the arrival of Jesus, born in Bethlehem, and the coming of Jesus in all of his splendor and glory. And we celebrate one here in this season, but we also anticipate the other. So Romans 15, Paul takes this passage in Isaiah, he quotes it, and, and he, he talks about the hope that's given not only to Jews, but to Gentiles, to all nations through Christ. He makes this connection. Isaiah 11 is still finding fulfillment in the nations, in us. For those of us who have come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this shoot that rises out of the stump of Jesse, this one who will make all things new, this one who brings new creation, and it starts here with us. It's finding fulfillment. People from every nation are looking to Jesus to find peace. I'm talking about true reconciliation with God, restoration and wholeness. Have you done that? Have you looked to Jesus? Where do you begin when you look to Jesus? It looks like surrender. It looks like saying, okay, I'm yours. I, I turn away from living for myself, and I, I want to live with you at the center. Jesus, my king, my redeemer, my savior, the one who broke into the darkness, who stepped into space and time and took on flesh, who became what I am to do what I couldn't do, live a perfect life in my place, and die a substitutionary death for my sin. Okay, I surrender, I'm yours. Teach me your ways. Have you done it? We all experience relational conflict. We all experience physical pain. We all experience emotional turmoil. We all experience the loss of a loved one. We long for peace, something to quiet the noise, something to calm our minds, something to make right what we know is wrong. Jesus is the banner we're to look to. That's what Isaiah is telling us in Isaiah 11. Jesus is the banner we're to look to to find true peace. He's the banner we're to hold up for the watching world 
to rally around. He's the signal. He's the sign of God's faithfulness and love. He is the invitation to anyone and everyone that they can experience true peace. And so is Jesus the banner that you are rallying around? Is he the sign that you're holding up? Is he the the signal that you're looking to, that you're you're holding up for others as well to find peace in? What, What is this sign saying? What is Jesus proclaiming so much? But, but, but for sure, this, your, your broken life is no match. Your broken relationships are no match. This broken world is no match. There is no power too great. There is no distance too far. There is no pride too deep. There is no sins too strong. The banner has been raised. Let me tell you, Jesus has been enthroned on high. The king of peace has come, and he will come again. Isaiah saw a day when broken things would be made whole, when wrongs would be made right. He saw a day when true peace would be available for anyone and everyone, and it is. We live in that day, church. And yet we look forward to a day when the fullness of what Jesus has accomplished for us through his death and resurrection will be fully experienced. And so maybe you come here today and you feel beyond repair. You feel scared scattered in your your head and your heart, fragmented and broken. Maybe you lack peace and you wonder where God is in all that you're facing and suffering. If that's you, I've been holding up this banner. It's a rallying cry. It's a place of rest, the only place of rest I know. And his name is Jesus. And he's who we celebrate, and he's who we fall on. He's who we look to. Will you look to him today and find rest? You might say, I've put my faith in him, and my mind feels just scattered still. Trust him to bring healing and grace this day. A small twig growing out of a stump, a world without hostility, and a banner held high for everyone. All of it is pointing to the immeasurable peace that is only found in Jesus. And it's there no matter what comes our way. It's there no matter what comes our way. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for Isaiah the prophet, the message that he held out for the nation of Israel, but really for the nations. This message that now we've received and we see now has found fulfillment in your son Jesus, the king of peace, the one who came to bring peace with you and peace to us. Lord, I I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, who has not received this peace, Lord, that they would look to Jesus alone here and now today, that they wouldn't let this moment go without first putting their hope and trust on. You have provided, you have provided the way of peace. And so we we look with eyes of faith today. Bring peace to those who don't have it and renew the peace that we have received in your son. In Jesus' name, amen.